Hello and welcome to Accommodation Matters, your monthly look at important and upcoming topics in the student accommodation world. And today we're focusing on a group of students whose needs are becoming more widely recognised across the whole of the education sector. And we're talking about what this means for student accommodation. Neurodiversity is a term first used by Judy Singer, an Australian sociologist. She suggested it in the late 90s as a positive approach to autism based on a social model of disability. And since then, the definition of neurodiversity has broadened to include ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia and dyscalculia, and sometimes conditions such as OCD and schizophrenia as well. There has been a focus on the academic needs of neurodivergent students, but very little on the student living experience. So we set out to fill that gap in partnership with Bristol University Neurodiversity Society, or BUNS, with a new report on the experiences of autistic students and students with ADHD. One thing I'd like people to realise about student accommodation is that while it might just be your job, it's actually our home for the time we're living there. And if we raise issues or problems, it's not because we're trying to be difficult, but it's because we're trying to make our living situation nicer and more comforting for us. I understand that sometimes things change or can't be changed. It would be really helpful if the reasoning behind that was explained or some kind of explanation given rather than just a one line response. We're not trying to be problematic. We're not trying to be difficult. Um, we just want to attend university like everybody else and work towards our own futures. I would like to say that we matter just as much as any other student. Uh, just because you can't see our own needs doesn't mean we don't have them. We may look like a lot of other students, you know, typical students, but there is a lot of things going on inside that you may not be aware of. And here to discuss the report and the wider issues it raises, we have, as usual, an expert panel. Tim Owen is Associate Director for Student Accommodation at the University of Birmingham. Hi, Jenny. Kerry Watson is Student Support Manager for Scotland and the North and Disability Lead at Unite Students. Hi, Jenny. And Freya Selman is Master's Student at the University of Bristol, a Chief Resident in Student Halls, Co-President of BUNS and the co-author of the new report. So Freya, if I can start with you, before we get into the report, could you tell us a little bit about BUNS? Yeah, so BUNS, Bristol University Neurodiversity Society, is a student society that myself and the other co-president set up about two years ago now. And we set the society up because we recognised that there was a lack in provision for neurodivergent students. A lot of societies are very much focused around clubbing and drinking, and that's not necessarily appropriate or the most enjoyable thing for most neurodivergent students. So myself and the other co-president set this society up as a space where neurodivergent students could come, take off the mask, be themselves and socialise in whichever ways they feel most comfortable to do. Since we set the society up, we've also done a lot of work with the university and external organisations such as Unite, working to improve experiences of universities for neurodivergent students. That's great. And BUNS played a really big role in this report, which focuses on the transition to university and living in student accommodation. And actually, the title of the report, An Asset, Not a Problem, came from a member of BUNS. And I thought it was just such a powerful statement about the benefits of diversity within a community. So that's why we picked it for the, the title of the report. 
But I think, as we know, with diversity has to come inclusion. And the report also highlighted opportunities where adjustments could be provided for neurodivergent students. So Freya, could you summarise some of the key issues that the students raised? Absolutely. So one of the biggest issues that our neurodivergent students raised was the difficulties with noise in halls. So some of our members say that they requested being in a quiet flat and while the flat that they are in is quieter, they're sandwiched in between noisy flats above and below. And so while the people in their flat may be quieter, their flat itself isn't actually a quiet environment to live in. And things such as noisy radiators or loud light fixtures are things that our members have said are really difficult for them, but things that they don't really feel able to report to maintenance because it's a very neurodivergent thing to be frustrated by lights being noisy. And there's the concern that people aren't going to necessarily understand that and are going to think that our members are just being difficult, being a problem, as the title suggests. Another issue that came up was the importance of communication. So before moving into halls and while living in halls as well. So there were a lot of maintenance checks and various different reasons that people will need to enter a student's room while living in halls. And often the communication surrounding that is not the best so it will be that students receive an email saying at some point within the next week we will be arriving at your flat and that's very vague and gives our students a lot of anxiety they don't know when someone's going to be knocking on their door or just letting themselves into their room and there's a lot of uncertainty there which is really difficult and similarly before moving into halls there's not a massive time to process where you've been allocated before moving in students aren't necessarily always able to see where they're living know who they're living with all of that kind of thing that would be really really helpful for students to know before moving in but because the communication isn't there for whatever reason it proves a barrier and it makes things a lot more difficult for our neurodivergent students. Is that need for clear communication and predictability a really important thing for your members? Definitely it's well known as a really important thing for autistic and neurodivergent people in general And I think at university where so much changes, especially in the transition period where you're going from living at home to being essentially completely independent in a new place, you don't know the people, you don't know the area, having something that you can rely on, some sort of clarity and certainty is so, so important. Thank you. And Tim, I was was going to ask you if this is something that's come across your radar. Are you seeing requests coming through from students about a need for more detailed information? I think it's something we've seen for a very long time, but I think what we are seeing that seems to be different now is the number of students coming through who are neurodivergent. And that is placing a bigger pressure on on the teams in terms of response and the resources available to support those students. So I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's a new thing, but I just think the volume is higher now. I Certainly, it's made me think and some of my colleagues about an inclusive way to communicate. So is this something that we should be thinking about differently rather than doing what we do and then making additional accommodations for neurodivergent students. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I think as as an accommodation provider, we we know on an annual basis, so my my responsibility is to house 7,000 students. The the easy thing is to do a a one-size-fits-all approach, a mass allocation, et cetera. That, That makes my life easier. It gets things done quickly. There isn't a lot of time between L of results and the arrivals period at the start of the academic year. 
But this report makes it absolutely clear where we can make quite big differences to individual groups of students in terms of their experience and, and that key first few weeks of the year. So I think the more we can improve all of our services, the, the information provided through allocation processes, we, we do a self-serve process now, you know, the more information we can have online for all students would be a better way of doing it, you know, in, in the short term, obviously the, the more tailored approach is required. But I think generally to just improve the way we, we share information and make it more understandable and much more simple, I think is, is the way to go. And was there anything that particularly struck you from the report, any of the, the findings or the recommendations? I think that the overall finding, I think, that, that struck me is that neurodivergent students aren't asking for a lot. And all the things that they're asking for, you know, almost all of them are quite simple to deliver, but they can make a big difference. That's the message that I take away from this. The, the opening quote talks about it's like navigating when a bit drunk, you know, something that makes sense to you that doesn't make sense to others. That, that's really clear language that a lot of people can understand. And I think I can share that with my team and help to broaden their understanding of the needs of, of neurodivergent students more easily. So I think that's a big takeaway that we can achieve a lot, you know, with some quite small changes. And in terms of, of the recommendations, I don't think any of them surprised me. And as I say, all achievable from that respect. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of things within this we can pick up and run with straight away. And I would also say that we're now thinking about things which perhaps even just five years ago, we weren't thinking about enough or even at all. This report is just one of many contributions to, to the way that we can help different sections of our students. So the Living Black report last year was another great example. It's really complex. There are so many things to think about and consider. And, and the report kind of just gives you your action plan there and then because you can go through it. it's almost like a scorecard go well we do that we sort of do that we can do that better or we don't do that but we could do that by doing this so that's where the report really is hugely helpful to us because it just cuts through a lot of the problems it does a lot of the work for us and as I say gives us that action plan we, we can crack on with straight away actually all those recommendations came directly from the students and Frey you had a, a massive input to those so I think it's certainly taught me something about students advocating for themselves and, and how powerful that is. I think, uh, like you, Tim, some of my colleagues just said to me, well, particularly after they saw the video, they, they said, well, it's, it's just so reasonable and these are things that we could do and it would make such a difference. So uh, I would definitely recommend people to watch the video. So if I think back to probably about 10 years ago, I think we'd often only be aware that a student was neurodivergent when there was an issue or a problem, a conflict or something like that. And Kerry, is that still the case or are we seeing a wider range of presenting issues? And I suppose, are we better at understanding what's being asked of us from neurodivergent students? Absolutely, Jenny. And I think it can be especially difficult to acclimatise to new surroundings for those with neurodiversity. So we see things like isolation, homesickness, but we also see poor mental health. And then also, I suppose, the, the complexity of a dual diagnosis with um, a mental health condition. So part of that and the things that we are looking at and evolving is how we really seek that pre-tenancy, that kind of pre-arrival um, information from students to really help with making those acclimatizations easier so we can put in support when it's needed. 
So recently, we've been looking at reviewing our disclosure opportunities for students. So we've really built into our booking flow. So even prior to booking of a room with Unite Students, we can have that opportunity for students to tell us if they need any adjustments or if they want to talk to us about any concerns that they have for that pre-arrival. And this really helps us to inform as a student support function how we support those students. So this could be part of joining our Reasonable Adjustments Committee. So on a monthly basis, we hold a Reasonable Adjustments Committee, which is formed of different roles within Unite Students. Um, And we can also bring in professionals from university or local authority or other stakeholders who may be able to support us with making any adjustments that we might need. So having this committee put together, we have delegates from the student support team, health and safety. We also have fire safety professionals, as well as those from our DEIB team and legal team as well. So this really helps us to build this kind of overview of how we can support someone in their whole experience as well as just around those practical fire escape and things like that. So when we're considering adjustments these might be more complex so it could be things like accommodation of an emotional support animal which we updated our policy in 2020 to include. So how can we accommodate that animal which may be fundamental to that student's embedding in university, the support that they need. It could also be um, planning for that pre-arrival so the property orientations arriving a couple of days early, which can really help to build that sense of acclimatisation. So those are just some of the key things that we're thinking about in that early arrival process that can really help inform that acclimatisation. Thanks, Kerry. And Tim, I'm just going to bring you in on this around your responses. Are you seeing requests for accommodations from neurodivergent students? Yeah, so for us, it's very similar to, to what Kerry's described in terms of that booking process of accommodation. But we're, we've also got the institutional element as well, because the student is coming to study with us. So that there's a reasonable adjustments plan done at that early stage. And the accommodation elements flow from that to some extent. And typically the requests we are getting, and this has been consistent for quite a long time, is, is around quieter accommodation and also for ensuite accommodation. And they're usually things that are very straightforward for us to deliver on. We have an increasing number of quiet blocks now or quiet areas where we can allocate students to. The other thing we do, which I think I mentioned earlier, was around separating from the mass allocation process so we can pick up the items from that reasonable adjustments plan to make sure that they're taken into account at the earliest opportunity while availability of accommodation is still good so we can get the best possible allocations. We've also done taster stays. So at some point during the summer, we we invite students with a range of conditions who wish to, to come and stay in their exact room. Usually sometime in August, they can come with a family member, spend a couple of nights and just get a bit of a feeling of what it's like to live there, get used to the environment. And that has been really beneficial. Our student services colleagues at the university have also launched three years ago, what's called the Be Birmingham event. So this is particularly for autistic students who are able to arrive a couple of days early and there's various bits of additional induction available for those students, how to get to the library, how to use it, those kind of things, just quite simple stuff, which, you know, once the mass of students arrive at sort of the typical arrivals weekend, that becomes quite intimidating, quite overwhelming. I think we forget that as exciting as that arrivals weekend is, it is hugely overwhelming. Thousands of people arriving, plus parents, cars, all that kind of stuff. So all the simple induction stuff can become quite intimidating and overwhelming. So to be able to pull that forward for certain groups of students, I think has been really beneficial. And then following on from that, once Welcome Week kicks in and and Term 1, our student mentors who do our residence life within our accommodation will will visit any students who have been on that Be Birmingham programme or who have been flagged through a, um, a reasonable adjustments plan. 
and then they will potentially visit them further on during the year as well depending on on the needs and then within our system um, neurodivergence units are, are flagged discreetly so if there are issues emerging within the flat if there are particular maintenance things which we think may be quite disruptive we will ensure that they're handled slightly differently those combinations of things i think are helpful and i think are well received and as i say we've now just got an action plan of more things to add to that in terms of ways we can help neurodivergent students and it's great to hear that because one of the things that struck me very much from the focus group was students feeling afraid to make their needs known and i suspect that that's born of quite a long experience of that being a difficult thing to do so it's good to know that that all those are in place and i wonder if there's something more that the sector can do as a whole to say it is okay to raise these things and we will make sure people are trained to understand i would definitely support that because i think at the moment we're quite good at responding to requests that come through regional adjustments but one thing that struck me in the report was that students didn't want to be a problem they didn't want to be fussy so instead of awaiting them saying well i I could do with dimmer lights softer lighting perhaps we could list options of things that we've done before we can do and then students can almost pick from that list that was struck me as an easier way of doing that so for students with physical disabilities in the past we've put in smart light bulbs for example just because it's easier for them to be able to switch off their lights from their mobile phone or what why not offer that to all students coming through the regional adjustments plan because we can get smart light bulbs that have dimmers that change color etc that's really simple not expensive but is a student actually is that one of their first interactions with the university want to say well here's my list of demands to make my life easier. They're not going to want to do that because they don't want to be a problem. That, that comes through loud and clear. So, so why don't we say it at the start, say these are the things we can do and are willing to do. Would, would they be helpful? I really love the idea of smart light bulbs. Might be asking you for the link for that afterwards, please. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be really good because as Tim kind of put it, it feels really difficult turning up to halls and saying, this is my list of demands. And actually to the neurodivergent student, it feels like a list of demands, but realistically, it's things that are needed to make their living situation livable. But because neurodivergent students are so used to kind of almost having to put their needs aside, there's a lot of theory around masking and camouflaging and, and the need to essentially ignore their own needs in order to fit in with the neurotypical world. It can be incredibly difficult to list things that would be helpful in the first place. And so having that list of options and maybe saying this is not an exhaustive list, but here are some things that we're able to do. If you think there's anything else, you can let us know. That would immediately identify the halls or the student accommodation. It would immediately identify that place of living as somewhere that is accessible, that is somewhere that is comfortable, as somewhere where you are able to express your needs. And it just immediately breaks down that barrier of I'm going to be seen as a problem if I say I need something and shows that there's a willing and there's an acceptance and there's a desire to make things more accessible for neurodivergent students. Oh, that's really helpful. Thank you, Freya. Now, something that came up briefly in the focus group, and it didn't make it into the report, but it'd be good to talk about it now, was that accommodation teams sometimes are in a position to recognise behaviours that suggest a student might be neurodivergent, but the student themselves might not know that. And we particularly talked about that in the context of international students coming from a culture where there is much less recognition but it could equally apply to UK students and I'd like to get your thoughts on that. From our perspective at Unite Students 
it comes down to the teams that we have within our properties and the training that they have. So how to identify and how to approach conversations about support. And I think that signposting element, you know, for, as a, an accommodation provider, we don't want to duplicate or take away from what is being offered through universities and other services. What we want to do is complement it. So we've recently just launched an e-learning which covers neurodiversity and training for, for teams. So they have an understanding of what that might look like and what that experience might be like for students. I think there's also an element around the peer-to-peer interaction as well. So our resident ambassador scheme has been running since 2016. But this year we've made the decision to change it slightly. So it's now going to sit under management of student support, which means that we can have that lens into the training and the recruitment of our resident ambassadors and how that then translates into the communities which we're building, this kind of instinctively inclusive understanding the needs of that wide student population and also tailoring the events that we offer. So Freya, you were talking about societies kind of offering this one fits all package. Actually, we need to recreate that kind of diversity within societies within our offer of events within our accommodation as well. Tim, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I I would echo everything that Kerry has just said there. I think one of the, the key things within this is about different departments and areas of accommodation providers and universities communicating really well, but also very sensitively. We do have a privileged position in that we are going into people's homes on a regular basis and we will pick up on things which others may not. And as a result, you know, we've got to deal with that information that we are accumulating in a sensitive way. If there is a cause for concern, then then it needs to be shared in an appropriate way, but it must be done appropriately. It can't be sort of, we've noticed this about this student, something unusual is going on in that flat. It, it needs to be all, all for a reason. And fundamentally, I think this come down to training, as Kerry said, making sure that our staff know what they're looking for, but then know what to do with it when they've seen something of concern. It may not need any intervention or action, but we need to be able to understand what's going on to make that decision. I think something that is quite important to consider there is that if something is going to make someone's life easier when they're having a difficult time they shouldn't need a diagnosis for that to be made possible so if there's someone autistic or not who has light sensitivity they shouldn't need to disclose oh I'm autistic I have xyz diagnosis please can you make the lighting dimmer and if student accommodation identifies that there's someone who may have neurodivergent traits it shouldn't necessarily be that they have to go through a process of getting support for being neurodivergent in order that reasonable adjustments can be made. And I know that under the Equality Act, that is what needs to happen. But if something is going to make someone's life easier and it's not too difficult to do, you shouldn't have to have a diagnosis. You shouldn't have to jump through loads of hoops for something small that could actually massively improve your life. I think that's a really good point. It's address the issue first, make the student feel more comfortable and then If you know the student well enough and it feels appropriate, you might want to say, have you ever thought about talking to someone? Brilliant. Thanks, Freya. But there was something you said there, Tim, which really sort of chimed in with something that I heard you say, Freya. And I think it's on the video that although it's our job, it's your home. (laughs) Do you want to say anything about that? I think from from my perspective, it is... It is, as I said before, it's a huge privilege that we are going into people's homes and we've got to respect that. And I think I try and engender the culture within my team, remind them constantly that it is someone's home that they're going into. And with an accommodation team, I think broadly speaking, they get that and they respect that. 
but there are so many different groups of people that have to go into accommodation for various reasons, external contractors who may not be familiar with the accommodation or the needs of the students living there. And so it's a constant process of reiterating the need for respect for that. And, and the problem we've got is it only takes one mistake from someone somewhere along the line to ruin all the good work of the team. So it's hugely important that, that we, we focus on that and keep reminding people all the time because it was, yeah, it was, it was a comment that, that resonated really powerfully with me from the report. Brilliant. Thanks, Tim. So finally, we would never have produced this report if it hadn't been for the really stark findings from our applicant index last year. And I was especially struck by the high level of anxiety about going to university among neurodivergent applicants. So I would like, as a final question, to ask each of our panellists, what message would you like to give to those applicants? Tim, can I start with you? Uh, yeah, I would agree that those findings, that graph was really stark and it's concerning. And, and I think from my perspective, the message I would give to those applicants is it's not unusual to be anxious and feel anxiety about coming to university, but the universities understand why in your situation you will feel greater levels of anxiety and we have a lot of people who are well trained who understand and are ready to try and do as many things as they can to make your experience at university particularly the arrival and settling in period as smooth as possible so my message would be don't hesitate to reach out ask for support be really honest with what things you would need to make your life better because we will do all in our power and um, to make that happen because it's our main drive is, is to ensure that as many of our students can come to university and be academically successful and to thrive. So we wouldn't want anyone to suffer in silence. So please just reach out and tell us how we can help. That's great. Thanks, Tim. Kerry? Absolutely echo everything that Tim said in terms of the findings. And it was a shock as much as, you know, I um, work in this field every day and I have conversations. Actually, to see it in that graph form was yeah, it was it was a, a moment of reflection. And I think my message is that we need to create spaces where people feel that they belong and that this is their space. And if that looks different, then that's okay. And that's up to us to make changes to accommodate everyone. So you do belong and there is a place for you. And we want you to tell us everything that we can to make sure that we are learning and we're changing how we do things to make things better. And Freya, I know of at least one neurodivergent applicant who has been given so much confidence just by the mere existence of buns. So is there anything that you would like to say to applicants? I would say as awful as it might feel and as terrifying as it is, be honest about your needs, tell people what it is that will help and make things easier because there are genuinely lots of really lovely people out there that want to help, but they can't if they don't know they need to. So there are going to be people who don't make it so easy, but that's a reflection on them, not you. And there are lots of lovely people who want to make your time at university easier. And you expressing yourself and telling them how they can do that is not only going to help you, but it's going to help them learn as well. That's a perfect way to end the show, Freya. Thank you. Really big thank you to all of my guests today and an equally big thank you to you for listening. Please do subscribe on your favourite podcast app and do share and recommend us to colleagues. It makes a big difference. If you have any ideas for future shows or if you'd like to be a guest, then why not drop me a line? You can reach me on Twitter or LinkedIn and I'll be very happy to hear from you. We'll be back next month with a brand new episode. But in the meantime, you take care.